Hi, my name's Brandon. And if you're anything like me, the most remarkable thing about you standing in the doorway is that it's you and you're standing in the doorway. get into the groove the podcast where we find a groove and we get into it and with me as always he's here to make money and sell out and stuff it's colton cox <laughs> yes yeah that's me i love that <laughs> and of course she's here to watch scott pilgrim kick your teeth in it's melissa Hi. and last but not least She's here to make you think about death and get sad and stuff. It's Jeannie. <laughs> nice. Hello. I love it. Okay, uh, what's with the what's with the Scott Pilgrim? You know what? Intros. It was because I, my well has run dry. I have nothing <laughs> good to put in the intros. The last episode. That's okay. So. I still loved it. I still gone. loved it. And some, you were watching Scott Pilgrim a couple of weeks ago, and I was just like, wow, this is a great movie. You're going to so have good. to stay in that position if that's how you're going to use that microphone. I know. <laughs> I came right back, didn't I? Oh, she knew. <laughs> I love. Did I not come the right back? Next year I got be very Scott comfortable, Pilgrim, like the sex said it, and got real. I know exactly <laughs> where I'm right fun. here. All right, all right. Did you so, see me come back to it when I was trying to talk I saw, to you? Did you I see saw me? it. I saw mm-hmm. it. Be proud. Now this week, <laughs> Jeannie, you brought us an album. Um, hey, hold on. Wait, I'm getting to it. Don't hold fuck on. Up his intro. I've got this. Trust me and believe. I thought he was already fucking up his own intro. Continue. Oh my God. Jeannie, you brought us an album this week that is by um, John Darniel. Did I say that right? Google says yes. Yes. Google says yes. Um, Otherwise known as the Mountain Goats, his 20th studio album, Dark in Here. And uh, with you, you brought yourself some backup. It is our fifth official friend of the pod. That's amazing. Okay. Um, she just might punch the highlights out of your hair. It's Katie. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome. I've never had highlights. Oh, uh, well, you're, well, see, the thing is you're going to punch highlights out of other right. people's oh, hair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a trend that needs to die. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <Yes. laughs> a question I like to ask all the guests is what's a groove you're always into? Meaning what's an album that you can listen to from top to bottom, no skips. If you hear a song just like playing on a Spotify radio, you're like, ooh, you know what? Let's go into this album, listen to the whole damn thing. That doesn't exist except for the Shrek soundtrack. <laughs> Did you say the Shrek soundtrack? Listen, yes. I am behind like the this. the original Shrek movie? Yes, like, like, like Shrek Uno, one. Gavin yes. Films Shrek. Yes. 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 I know a lot of... 10 to 12 year olds that would agree with you on that. It's a, it's a it's a I think I know a lot of late 20 year olds that might agree with you on that as well. Uh, like fo- every other album, there's always at least one song that I'm like, I'm not in the mood for this today. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that. There's a kid that I teach ukulele to that. The first song you wanted to learn was hallelujah because he heard it from the Shrek soundtrack. <laughs> yes. Rufus Wainwright's interpretation. Now, here's the thing. Debatable. Let's not get into that. Debatable. <laughs> okay, good. A different episode, maybe. I was going to say, there's a definitive recording of that song. Oh, what's Jeannie's definitive recording of that song? Jeff Buckley. Okay. 
Everyone has oh, a different duh. favorite. Obviously. And listen, this is also heavy nod to Leonard Cohen himself because <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's awe inspiring. Mm-hmm. But that Jeff Buckley. Is this going to be like the new Zodiac signs? Like what's your version of hallelujah? <laughs> Are we compatible? Well, that's a trick question too. Because it's a hard line even, in the sand is what I'm saying. <laughs> even uh, Jeff Buckley's got like two, three different recorded versions of hallelujah. So. Oh, I mean, one official one, the other ones are live, but I see, I see. Yeah. Well, enough about Jeff Buckley. <laughs> um, we're talking about um, the Mountain Goats, the latest release, the 20th studio album, Dark in Here. And Gene and Katie, I'm so sorry. I have no notes, as you can see. <gasps> oh my God, your no, page wow. is blank. They are blank. So we're taking Not over. Not even, you He's are taking blind. over. All yeah. right. I will say that, you know, uh, a few times, at least one of us have uh, taken a stand of, you're going to have to sell me on this album. I think it oh, is now time. I'm here to sell you this album. For me. It's for why you to I sell chose this album. album. Okay, terrific. Terrific. Um, anything, why'd you pick this album? Let's start off with that prologue. So, okay. There's a really great discussion to have on the hugeness of like the mountain goats and their discography, uh, and just how attached their fans are to it. Um, it is like, I mean, everyone has a favorite mountain goats album. Everyone is deeply connected to it. Like people have very strong emotional responses to these songs. They are very meaningful to people. Um, and it's like that consistently, like people are not typically super casual mountain goats fans. Like you are strongly connected to the mountain goats in some way. Like there is something about them that pulls you to them largely like a lot of discussions about everything, but people are moved deeply by the mountain goats is what I'm getting at. I have a question. I have a question for the super fans over here. Um, so because it's, sort of a panic at the disco situation where it's basically just him, right? Yeah. Like he is the mountain goats. He um, was. Recently we, it's become a four piece. Yeah. Like so it's, constantly. it's truly a four piece now. It yeah. is now, okay. But we're talking about like 10, oh, yeah. 15 no, years of well, him doing I, it by I, I was mostly yeah. thinking like, are we referring to them as them or as he or as like. He, he is the, the main songwriter. And, right. And for the most part, he writes the songs. Right. Like, obviously the other He's band members He's been the consistent out of yes. all of it. But yes. now there is a true like. Because I read that he like had people come in and play with him. Yes. And it was kind mm-hmm. of a rotating situation, there, there but like now set. it's a set situation. Okay, yeah. thank yeah. you. That's what I wanted to know. I mean, he has a discography spanning back. I'm from the nineties. Yeah, it was far. I have. Yeah. What is I this? I was going to say. I think sometimes late eighties is, is almost for, when he started. I think he came into probably like ninety one. The title of the album. It was super early. Zipalode machine. There you go. That's the one I have. That's that. That's um, from Zip-a-lo-day 1994. means buzzard, if I remember correctly. Buzzard. Buzzard machine. I see. Okay. Well, okay. and a lot of the early recordings were only on cassette, which also yeah. ties mm-hmm. into the whole like the mountain goats are kind of bringing cassettes back thing. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. So it's hard to find. You know, like some of the albums aren't on Spotify. Yeah. This. This. How do you say it again? Zopalode? Yeah. Zopalode. Yeah. Zopalode. This is very lo-fi. Um, yes. You can almost. That was his like Hear signature the sound for a long time. Mm-hmm. Was the whole I lo-fi see. recording? But he I considers see. himself bi-fi. Which the fuck that. is bi-fi? I read I that. Love that. I he love said that. it actually takes more technology than people think it does to do what he does. Oh, I, I see. read that somewhere. I see. I like that. I didn't have notes, but I read about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's gone back. He definitely. Um, 
the recording process is an important part of the way he wants the album to sound mm-hmm. because like um a lot of those earlier albums he was like really honing that lo-fi sound but then he would do like one album that was lo-fi and then the next one was in a studio and it was mm. like very crisp and clean sounding. So it wasn't this like gradual thing of him like going to. It was a real sudden, sudden yeah. jump really for him when he suddenly like recorded in a studio. I it was see. a very different sound. He has periodically gone back to the lo-fi stuff since then. But the initial time that he went to a studio, yeah, it was, but now he, now it's intentional. It's like he makes the conscious choice to record it a certain way. I see. Okay. All right. Um, so do we want to get into some of the recording history of this album? Uh, we can, if you want, unless you want to jump right into the first track or if you had more to say about why you picked this album in the first place. Well, yeah, I didn't quite finish that. I picked it because it doesn't sound like a typical Mountain Goats album. It does, but it doesn't. Um, And that's kind of why I picked it. I was more interested on selling you on some of the cool musical aspects of this album because it is a gorgeous album musically. Like, and that's, that is, that's why I picked it is it was fun to break away from all of the Mountain Goats lore and instead move into something that I think we can sit down and appreciate musically what is going on in it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that was, that was 100% what I wanted to focus on. Great. I am excited for that because I think I've only heard that other album in this one. I didn't want you to be intimidated coming in as a Mountain Goats fan. I want you to listen to this album and be like, wow, this is a beautiful album. And that's it. I I don't want you to feel like you're getting sucked into the Mountain Goats universe. I will say that this is one of the easier ones to listen to as well. Not because the music in the older ones is like horrendous or anything, but he's bleak. He is very dark. And like this album is still dark, but like earlier stuff is pretty rough. Some of it. Yeah. But compared to some of the recent stuff, it's dark. Like this is called like his dark recent album. It's the darker follow up to getting into knives and getting into knives is, not necessarily a happy, cheerful album either. No. Now I read that uh, getting it or other way around. This was recorded a, like a week after mm-hmm. they yes. recorded yeah. getting it a knife. So this is like one would assume that he had all of these songs yes. ready to go for a well, year now, he and he's been sitting on this least, album for at least a year. Yeah, he has been, been releasing twenty twenty. Yeah, because they recorded it. Yeah. 2019. March 20. No, March 2020, I believe. It was oh, right March before. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. I see, I see. Right he, before quarantine or right like a week after quarantine, I think is when they said like quarantine started and I think they went and recorded. I see. Like in 14. He's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. All I was going to say is he's always been a very high output. Like he puts out yeah. a lot of records. Like that's just his whole thing. <laughs> this is number fucking 20. Right. Well, and that's 20 studio albums. That's not including live Singles. albums and other stuff that he's done since. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. maybe that was it. There was a discrepancy on like, I think I saw where it was like 19th album versus 20th. Yeah. And I, my note says something like, I was like, I don't know what that discrepancy on is. On the official Mountain Goats wiki, uh, songs for Pierre Chauvin doesn't count yes. as a studio album. Because it's, li- it's a live album. Is it that uh, one or the Jordan Lake sessions? Well, that one's that one also, Questionable too. That one's live, but it's songs for Pierre Chauvin is like an album recorded live. Like it's right, right, right. So it counts as a live album. I don't don't agree with that. I don't agree with that, but okay. It's not a show. (laughs) It's like they recorded the album, like as they performed it in the studio. 
like a show, like a live show is just them yes, playing something. I know? understand that. I get it. I don't agree with that assessment <laughs> as that album, though. I don't agree with that. Come for us, Mountain Goats fans. But Our email is get the letter N, the number two, the yeah, crew, no, at gmail.com. that's a discussion people have. I want to hear what other people have to say, because I don't think I agree with that. But okay. Uh, well, okay. Uh, let's get into it. Let's get into all of it. Okay. Well, track jump right track. in. One, Parisian Enclave, too short. Too was short. what I said. It's, <laughs> that was my note. I said the song is too short. It's kind of a hearkening back to like the older Mountain Ghost. Yes, like it the is. songs used to all be like very short, two minutes maybe. It's a super fantastic early Mountain Goat song. So it's he's also, kind of being indulgent for the rest of this. It kind album. of is. Yes. Well, hmm. there are there are a couple of them on here too that really pop out. They're like that is an older Mountain Goat sounding song, um, and this one definitely does sound a lot like that. But it's amped up and like my note says fucking gorgeous opener. Mm -hmm. It is a beautiful opener and it does a really good job again of like the thing people love about him is the way he writes and it's usually beautifully done. But again, there's this like stark darkness that tends to hover over the narrative of the characters. Um, and this is a really good example of how he does that, but also like musically, like everything that's going on, it's, it helps to deepen the story. And I think that that is a lot of the overall impression I get from this album. There is a really great focus on all of these minute details mm. to help really like fully lush out these like pictures that he paints for you to really fill out the story. It's really good. Mm. So this is a very exciting opener is what I was saying, all but right, it's too right. short. It's like a minute and 25 seconds. It, it, it does have an abrupt ending. Like it, you think yeah. it's going to go on. And it's just bump. That's it, it just, it gallops. It's a race. It's like mm -hmm. you're Very taking off. Yeah. At a driving pace. All right. All right. I don't agree with that. Oh, uh -huh. <laughs> why not? I felt like that, that it's not a great opener. I felt that this intro was kind of stumbled into the rest of it. Mm. Like, I don't really know how to explain it. It just didn't really like didn't really set a precedent for me. Like it was just kind of like a, a ho-hum intro. And then um, when uh, the Cola Super Deep Borehole song comes, that was like I was like, oh, this is like a totally different thing than what I've heard the Mountain Goose Mountain Goose. <laughs> The mountain mountain goats. goats do before. <laughs> That's a fun discussion to have. We'll get to when I get there then. Yeah. Um. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not totally against this song. I, I did enjoy it because I enjoy most of the mountain goats <laughs> discography, but I don't know. I just wasn't really like gripped by this one. I like that you use the word stumbles because like knowing that these were conceptually, this was meant to follow getting into knives the whole time. Yeah, uh. It's like, it's not going to be a smooth transition into that new album. There's going to be some bumps and stumbles. And I think mm. you kind of see that in a few places. And it is like, it is, it's a great song, but is it the best song on the album to be the opener? Mm. That's oh, a great question. question. No, it's not I think it's <laughs> a question. I think it says a great amount of intrigue that pulled me into the album. Mm -hmm. um, I think the issue I draw from it is that it, the, the story kind of, fluctuates around Jonah and the whale, right? Like oh. it's not exactly about that. He's just kind of using that as a like 
I mean, there's a particular song that does a good job of focusing on that, but I don't think the entirety of the album I would accuse of that. No, no, no. Okay. No. But he (laughs) pulls parallels from the story of Jonah and kind of draws it into the other stories that he's telling that are more related to himself. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't really know what this one was even... Because it's talking about these men like climbing underneath... You're climbing under the city. They're under like, the city, yeah. yeah. And I, I know that the theme of this album is that you're you're digging into yourself. In to the kind darkness. Of, right. But How do you find yourself there? I don't know. This just seemed like a, I don't know. Just didn't do it for me. <laughs> As someone who's never listened to the Mountain Goats before, this song scared me. It okay. scared you. It did. It was like, oh, ways. shit, here we go. Yeah. Like, I don't know what this is going to be, but I'm not sure I'm here for it. Like, that was my whole feeling. I think it ushers you into the darkness. It was a reluctant and usher. Yeah. I think that there's a, like those nice little plinks on the piano, too, are such like, I don't know. It's a nice one. Sorry. The, it's all right. That's this is the come. last place you should be apologizing <laughs> right. for having those kind of opinions. <laughs> Um, had far more hurtful things said about the music that I picked for this show. So, <laughs> if you just didn't pick records that sucked, just like yeah, dang. <laughs> hey, I listened to Pet Sounds for the very first time because of this podcast, and it was enjoyable. Uh, oh, wow. one good, well, good. <laughs> Interesting. Moving right along. Put your face oh. I had things away. I wanted to Look talk about. Else. Okay, Sorry. please continue. We got really into the song. Uh, uh, but I was more saying moving right along from yeah, whatever no, discussion was about okay. to happen here. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about the um, recording, mm-hmm. like kind of how it went, which is to say where it was recorded at and a few little details about that. Ooh, this is, these are the juicy bits. Yeah, it was recorded at Fame Studios, which is in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Now, despite the fact that it is called the Shoals, it is in the northern part of Alabama there is no seafront property. We are not on the shoals. We are in northern Alabama. The lies and the deceit. The picture of the studio looks like it's probably in a cornfield or a soybean field or something like that. Like it's just in a weird little spot. Like kind it's of isolated? A little, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't do a Google Maps, but the I front of it, I was like, okay, that looks like it could just be like a flea market along the highway almost in wow. one of these places. Very There's cool. something very minimal looking about it. And it had this big sign up on the top that says fame. Um, but it's actually a place that has been like utilized as a recording studio for like a lot of very big names. Um, so uh, isolated, you know, they like they yeah. put like random recording studios and houses, and people just like take oh, off yeah. in random places. Yeah, and- yeah. Well, we've talked about like the like X mansions and like all of those exactly. weird places yeah. that were recorded. The haunted mansion. Well, there's two of them. There's the LCD Sound System and fucking My Chemical Romance. My Chemical Romance. That's, That's right. Yeah. No, this one had Otis Redding, uh, the Rolling Stones, what? Aretha Franklin <laughs> recorded her. Uh, Excuse the fuck out of me. Yeah. I never loved a man the way I love you. It was the only time she recorded there, but that was where she recorded it. And the organist on that song, his name is Spooner Oldham, plays the organ on this album. And that I thought was a fantastic and amazing detail because gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, that, fantastic. That is very prominent. Yes. In yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Nope. So that is it. That was, I thought that was a great detail. Yeah. And I was like, nice, nice, nice. Like it is exciting. Like the stones recorded there. Lots of huge country acts in the eighties. They moved into doing a lot of, uh, recording with country acts. Um, and one of the like founders was Rick Hall. 
Um, and I just, I don't, yeah. Uh, one of the really big ones I think that I remember reading about was uh, the country band Shenandoah, which recorded like mm. all these like fantastic, like I was reading through the track list and I was like, oh my God, I know all of these, you know, like wow. very familiar with these. So I was, I nerded out over that. Like that was a fun little read. I was like, dang. So they've been, they've been doing things like this, even though it seems like such a, I don't, you know, it's North Shoals, Alabama, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Sorry. The liars. <laughs> no shit. Um, I, I actually want to, I'm curious to know about the concept quote unquote, I guess about getting into knives and how it kind of ties into this. I am not the best person to ask about that. Cause I always miss the concepts of <laughs> albums. Like I just, oh, I am, funny. I'm eight. Like I just, I'm very surface level in my enjoyment of things. So but what, what, what on the surface draws you into the mountain goats? I got into the mountain goats in 2017 with their album goths. Um, right. As I was moving to Lawrence and goths opens with the song rain and Soho. And it was like the second single from that album. And I fell in love with that song. And through that song, I kind of developed a relationship with the mountain goats where I'm like, Listening to their albums for me, it's not like something that I have playing in my car all the time. It's something that I put on and I'll put on like the same album on like repeat or something when I'm playing like The Sims or working on like a project or something like that. Just to follow along with the story and the feelings yeah. of the album. So like the lyrics are so important for the Mountain Goats, which is why I'm like, I'm a horrible Mountain Goats fan because for me, it's all about the musicality. And Interesting. this album, I think, is a really interesting one to pick because the musicality is fucking gorgeous. And gorgeous. like, like you have those like Western influences and things like that. And compared to some of the other things that have been going lately, it's just to me, I really love it. And I love the woodwinds like on this album. Ooh, flutey tooties. They're all up in that back end of the album. I love it. This is interesting for both of you to say, like the musicality is the thing to point out about this album because I feel like I'm the type of person that, we've had, I think, this conversation before about like, what do you listen to? What do you hear first, lyrics or music? And I feel like, music is the kind of thing that I like latch onto first. Mm -hmm. And then like, I dive in deep into the lyrics and I'm like, Oh fucking shit. This has been brilliant the whole time. Um, and I think one thing about the mountain goats is that I never knew him to be like groundbreaking as far as music is concerned, but the lyrics are exceptional. Mm -hmm. They are, just, they are out of this world. Amazing. Um, yeah, so listening to this album, like I, I noticed the woodwinds and the jazzy stuff, and we were listening to something that had like a like a like a freeform jazz kind of ending to it, where it was just chaos. Uh, lizard suit. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting that you guys are bringing up the musicality of this. Well, and this is. Um, I mean, I have not listened to other than this one any of the albums where it's uh, the Mountain Goats, the band. Mm. Uh, you've been listening to solo stuff which is largely just him accompanying himself on guitar well sometimes yeah. plinking out on a piano right and i i so that's what i've mostly listened to so i've not really ever heard as a band which is why i love <coughs> the second song so much because it was like wow this is like this is indie rock i've never what? i've never heard the mountain goats do like straight indie i rock guess before. we're the destruction of the cola super deep borehole yes, tower yes that one 
which mm. also an interesting title. subject, but like just the music in that song, I was like, yes, okay, this is awesome. Here's okay. the thing about that one. Um, this is such a classic mountain goat sound though. Like you it said, is, yeah. you're like, this didn't sound like anything. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is, this is super mountain goats. It, it, it is. And it isn't because it, it is like in the sense that it's just him like strumming on guitar and like getting like, if you took away the band, it would be a normal mountain goat song. Mm-hmm. I, um, for me, that solo stuff, like this just really, it was like hearing the fully fleshed out versions of those songs. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. that's why for me it was like, oh, this is like totally different because it is different than just him playing on his guitar by himself. Yeah. So, I mean, you said that earlier when we started listening to it today, yeah. you said, this, mm-hmm. wow, this is wildly different from anything he's done. And I kind of, that I I've heard, like, I should have said that I've heard. Really? Yeah. I feel like it's a, it's, it's, it's the advanced version. It's like, yeah. what if he could have been doing this all along? Right. You know, maybe this is the sounds that he's been aiming for the entire time, or maybe it's just how he's learned to build them up. But like, this is it, you know, like this is, this is very much a mountain goat song. Yeah. It's about that growth. Now, I love this song. I, I think it's amazing. Yeah. What, mm. I don't understand the uh, Cola super deep borehole tower of it all. Do you want to do it? Or you want oh man, <laughs> this was fun to research. So yeah, oh, man, we can, we can play off of each other. The Cola super deep uh, borehole is okay. during the Soviet years in the Soviet union, right along the Norway bowl, like border. They began digging a hole boring into the earth. The intent was to see how far they could go. And the Soviets got seven and a half miles deep. Oh my God. Before mm-hmm. the like project ultimately was ended. And this was the deepest hole. The deepest hole. hole. Man-made hole. I see. But in the deepest world. hole I think ever. Cause it's deeper than the Mariana trench. If I remember the thing that I read correctly, is it, it's a I smidge deeper. That. Oh yes. I did see that. It goes a bit <laughs> oh, deeper. Oh yes. Yes, it's literally like seven and a half miles. Ultimately, still only about a third of the way through. You can pull up and check me. You better though. Yeah, Do listen. It. They wanted to go deeper, didn't they? I love- yeah, they wanted to go deeper, but they ground to a halt. They listen, had. Do you to. know why, Jeannie? I love you to death, but you have been wrong before. Please take over. <laughs> yeah, so the I reason know, that they I'm had wrong. to stop. Sometimes um, I don't so they do started it. like in the mid to late eighties, and it like they closed it up in like 1994, 1995. So it was not around for very long, but they had to stop because the pressure of like, like that close to the, oh. like that deep down got too hot for their drill to function. It was wow. way hotter than they thought it'd be. And some of the rock composition was way different than they thought it would be like oh, the, re- the weird reading. granite. There was a weird like granite. There was like basalt down there. And granite and all kinds of shit that they're like, we were not expecting to hit this. Like what the fuck? Oh, that's millions of years. Yes. That's yes. a, that's history. But they, they thought through. that they could go deeper, but their calculations of how hot it gets under that pressure were completely wrong. So now there have been deeper boreholes because they've they yeah, learned from technology. that borehole. This is okay. This is hilarious, actually. So yes, you are correct. I knew. I saw uh, the picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, the hole itself is seven and a half miles deep, but yes. interestingly, is only nine inches in diameter. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's a tiny, super it's deep a borehole. <laughs> They would That's pull a, out the rock samples and things like yeah. that for the geologists to study, just like they do like ice boring in yeah. the Arctic. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. I was imagining this like giant, nope. like quarry type. No. Hole. no, just a tiny little just hole. Just a little near. <laughs> Interesting. What the fuck? Uh, less than a foot wide. <laughs> it's a little guy. 
But isn't that, it sounds so, it sounds so menacing though, it right? Does, yeah. Like you're like, wow, we were drilling so far. And the whole concept too, that gets supposedly really terrifying is you can hear the sounds of souls being tortured in hell, yeah. which, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, you can hear the sounds this, coming out of there. This That's is what the locals say. This is an important point about, um, um, John Darnielle. So he is a, um, former Catholic. So, uh, the Bible works its way into like every album. Pretty he is much. still very much a Christian. He's a Jesus freak, like, a self-proclaimed Jesus freak. He has used those words to describe himself. So he's just not Catholic. He's then? not Catholic, but he is hardcore Christian. Okay. That's Super Jesus. Interesting freak. because I've only ever seen his work used in reference to atheism. Like, no, he is, he is very, through, he's got an entire album that's all just based on different Bible verses. Yes, I knew that, but that doesn't and necessarily it's mean that you have to be a hardcore it's sincere. Oh, yeah, Bible no. thumper. He's a very serious, I wouldn't call him a Bible thumper. Well, yeah, yes, but not in the sense that you think. You should probably tune into him, talk about his ideology a lot, because uh, it is a type of, like, I think Christianity that I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's radical, and I do love that. He's not evangelical. See, my, my association with the Mountain Ghosts is through the Cartoon Network show Moral Oral, mm-hmm. which is staunchly anti-Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Dino Stamatopoulos wrote it, and he is also someone who constantly criticizes Christianity. So No, you looked at me like I knew that name, or are you just looking at Dino Stamatopoulos is... Um, he's done a lot of shit. Um, he's Starburns on Community. If you've ever seen that, Starburns. Um, he has written for. Um, Didn't Starburns write for Community too? Yes, yeah. he's, he's written for a lot I of shows. His fucking name. <laughs> he's worked with uh, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross on with Bob and David, uh, and and on Mister Show. I see. And, like okay. he is a comedy writer from like nineties, eighties to I now. Like, okay, yeah. Very, very influential writer. Um, but yeah, so that's my association with him. So it's kind of funny to me to hear that he's Christian because I've always just kind of assumed that he was not because it seems like he is very critical of Christianity in his songwriting. I think so. you can be Chris, like critical of the church and how it functions. Sure. And I think that that's a lot of the direction is the church specifically and how it functions. Yeah. Um, um and I think we can get into this more on when we discuss uh, later mobile. Yeah. But do you, did you do any research on the koala borehole, Brandon? Uh, no, no, no. So when you hear that the song is called about like the destruction of the koala borehole tower, what do you think happened? Uh, I have no idea. I have no idea. It sounds, it sounds very folksy. It sounds like there might've been a war. And really this whole album is kind of like, um, like it, it gives me very like refugees trying to escape vibe. So it seems like that there was, <laughs> I don't know. It, it seems like there is a gave me MTV at three o'clock in the morning in like <laughs> 2002 vibe. Yeah, I can see that. I like half of these songs. I was imagining like on the MTV spring break karaoke thing. You have like, these strangest what? associations to other music. Nobody, nobody ties things together like you do. Wow. And I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> Absolutely I'm, nothing. I'm serious. Like if I closed my eyes, I could like half the songs on this album. If I closed my eyes, I could see some 
very weird stop animation music video happening mm-hmm. on like VH1 at five oh, yeah. in the morning, like yeah. on the music, you know, like music video hour or whatever. It's kind of there with the weird. It was kind of a tunes. throwback. Yeah. yeah. It kind of, That's yeah. Hilarious. It didn't, it did not, when I looked it up and like started really researching the album, it surprised me that it came out this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's also hilarious to me that you said uh, stop motion because Moral Oral is a stop motion. <laughs> I know. I used to watch Moral Oral. But yeah, so. I'm just, mm, I don't know. It kind of like the first thing that came to me was like those. Have you ever seen um, uh, the Coheed and Cambria, the suffering music video? No. Mm-hmm. With, yes. the, with the mermaids. Yeah. Yes. Oh. That was the There's vibe that, that I thought of on so video. many of these songs was like that. Like it was that like visual. Uh. I don't know why, but that's, that's what I associated it with. No disrespect to Coheed I and Cambria. It. I think part of why I have never gotten into them is because I'm not reading their goddamn graphic novels just to keep up with their fucking songs. I'm not going to do it. All disrespect to Coheed and Cambria. Apparently they do a shitty live show. Oh, disappointing. I need to get into that. That sounds like it's up my alley, actually. (laughs) You're more than welcome to. There are diehard Coheed and Cambria fans. Because those albums are so involved. I'm sure. Because you have to read a graphic novel to know what's going on. I want to read one. That sounds good. You have to. All right. Well, let's get past song number two. Well, well, yeah, I wanted to follow up. Yeah, this. Nothing happened to the tower except the passage of time. Mm -hmm. The tower just collapsed. I see. As the years went by. So, wait. Now, this. Sorry, go ahead. Well, the, this this borehole that we're talking about, there was there was a tower too. So we went. That's in where both like directions. the drills and stuff were. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. there's like I a see. cap on top of it now. Yeah, because the Just hole's tiny, cap. but the yeah. drill is like a big seven miles deep, or it needs well, to reach at least yeah. seven miles deep. Um, oh, it's like Armageddon. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Okay. Yeah. I so I they think, had to drill the borehole. Yeah. And they couldn't get it. They had to move it. I'm sorry. <laughs> to sum it all up, I think the parallel that he is trying to draw is this kind of sets up the theme of the whole album and that you need to go deep inside of yourself and go through all through hell to figure out yourself and like grow from that, like go, face it with, with bravely. Right. And like in the description, in the lyrics of the song, it's like the people who are digging in this hole, it's like, they're so focused on getting to the end goal that it doesn't matter what's happening around them. Like they hear the sounds of, you know, the souls of hell being fucking pulled down there and all that stuff, but they just keep digging. Huh? Just keep digging. <laughs> no, don't, don't, we don't need Disney to sue us. Yeah. Right. We already got a Beatles <laughs> quote. Lost waiting letter. to happen. We'll be fine. Um, Everybody pants to does. <laughs> this is gonna be some like five. Shout out to the fourteen the of you out there. Um, uh, okay, anything else? Do you have to say about track number two, the destruction of the cola super super deep borehole tower? You know, I was just gonna go on and say that it. I like the little weird things that he knows about that he chooses to like structure his like songwriting around to tell like super strange. This is a weird detail. Yeah. Like we're both nerding out because we all like, we all are nerding out because we did some research to figure out what the fuck is the cola super deep borehole. Like let's figure that out. 
And it's, it's a weird bit of knowledge to have to be like, I know about let's write a song about this fucking borehole where they dug real deep into the ground. And also like the concept of like tunneling into hell, Mm -hmm. like how can I, it's really interesting and it's fun and it's a really good, like it's a good highlight of his writing. And it's, it's those weird attentions to details and also using that to like, it, he it, it builds up this world for his narrative writing, I think, because yeah. like you're like, oh, I can research this and find out about it. And then you're like, oh, that's very strange and a little more unsettling even to know the rest of that. You know, no. it's almost like the I'm sorry, the the research sort of adds meaning to oh, yeah. the, the, the song. I, I put nerdy in here because I was absolutely nerding out over it. I was like, oh, this is great. And I did that over other things, too, as we get further in this album. It's impressive that not only does he write a song about it, but he builds the whole goddamn album around this theme of burrowing deep into yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Mobile. Please. I love this song. <laughs> I'm going to say that about a lot of these songs. Dig. Dig. We're going to keep digging. But I love we're this gonna song. Tell we're looking for rocks. I do like Mobile too. This is a. It's, it's so, so mellow. Gentle. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's to real the gentle. Very it's real mellow. Nature of these first two tracks. Yes. This is the one I wanted to skip. It's a song. Oh, really? <laughs> Why? Because it was I too don't slow. Know. Hold no, on. Can we get a refresher? Can we just pull up a couple I'm seconds sorry, of the. Colton. This is going to be. This was one of my least favorite when I first got the album. Hmm, it yes. took like re-listening to it to really like get in to get into the groove of I that think song. I, I think I've reversed oh. on that because I think I liked it a lot the first time I heard it. And the more I hear it, I don't like it more and more, but I don't. You don't hate it anymore. Well, or no, you don't... I, I, I liked it more initially. I think I was like, wow, I really like this. And I think, think, uh, I don't. I don't want to say that it's dropped in favor, but it's, I don't know. I don't think I'm as connected to it right now. Mm. I will play it, but we're at about 40 minutes right now. So. We're having a good time. <laughs> okay. Ne- never mind. We don't, we don't, never mind. Just never mind all that. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> okay. You just, so you don't want to hear it. No, we don't need to hear it. All right. Uh, we can move right along. Um, with whatever whatever we're saying about this third track or (laughs) I think think that was my big thing about it yeah like this was the first single they decided to release from this album which is an interesting choice to me truly why would why would you not pick the cola super deep borehole not everyone's in love with cola (laughs) well that song I just felt like it it's mountain goatsy well not even that it's it's catchy and -hmm. it's like it, it grabs you a little bit more. Like a lot of these songs are very gentle and like not a, something that like hooks you immediately, mm-hmm. you know, like that song does because it's got like this like urgency happening behind it. Mm. So an interesting choice for a single, like Katie said. And I wonder if they chose it because it came out, of course, after get like right after getting a knives came out. Yeah. Um, and their whole release schedule for that got messed, like got set off from the original goal because of COVID and everything like that. Right. Um, so perhaps they chose that for the first single because it's very different than anything that's on getting into knives. Mm. And it's kind of showing like the other side of that coin in a way. Probably so. Cause I mean, this is supposed to be like the dark companion mm-hmm. to that album. So, and it's about a guy that's like contemplating suicide, like on a balcony in Mobile, Alabama, like, he's thinking about killing himself just like, you know, Jonah tried to run from God and, you know, got mm. rescued. You know, he got eaten by the whale. You go so low, but then, you know, you made it through that. Like you dig, you know, get deep inside a whale, get deep inside yourself. And we were just talking about biblical references. Literally this whole song 
and slightly the song after the uh, dark in here is like not as directly tied to Jonah, but the dark is supposed to be like also kind of tying into like the inside of the whale. Mm, I see. But okay. I, it's not as directly tied to Jonah as this one is. I don't think. But you look like you had something to say. So. No, <laughs> no, that's where I'm at. That's it. All right. That was all I had to say about that. So um, you Jonah, did mention, isn't Jonah in a sperm whale? Now I'm stuck on what kind of whale it is. <laughs> isn't it it's a, a beluga whale? whale? It's Do not they? a beluga. It's whale. a big ass. It's got to be a big ass whale. It's got to be like a sperm whale. It's got to be. It's got to be a huge whale. I doubt that swallowed. the Bible specifies. Maybe a humpback whale. A humpback whale. Well, oh wait, no. Uh, uh, apparently, uh, in a story reminiscent of that biblical Jonah, a veteran lobster diver was swallowed whole by a humpback whale on Friday off the Massachusetts coast. <laughs> That's from June twelfth of this year. Holy Jesus! Did <laughs> he die? Uh, no, he survived to tell the tale. Oh. <laughs> You know, humpback whales drop their whole bellies out. There's a lot of room in there. Yeah. You're obsessed with whales. I am. You love whales. It's <laughs> a problem. We talk about this often. Sydney made me a little, you missed it. Sydney made me a little glass uh, painting of a of a orca I for my bathroom. That. This is cute. getting into the blowhole with <laughs> Sorry. Melissa. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Moving on. We're going to talk about what we talk about every day. Whales. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see me every day. You don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Moving on. Dark in here. I'm the title track and third single. Yeah. Give you a whale fact every morning. <laughs> I love the Western feel that Dark and Heel has. And you you find it a little bit in some of the earlier songs too. But I just, I love that like, it just, that galloping West, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel like you're following some sort of an outlaw. There's He's a very playing. Americana sound to yes, it. Yes, there is. Uh, and, and some of these songs give me like a, Snappy. A, an Orville Pecky kind of vibe. Yeah, and it's like, um, it's that spaghetti western, not like your traditional, like, yeah. you know, gritty spaghetti western. Spaghetti western. I, I, Love I, it. I am, I do want to ask you how that show was. Oh, we can talk about that now or later. We'll, 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 talk, we'll talk about it later. Okay. You can give us a summation. I'm sure it was great. I saw Orville Peck last week and I really enjoyed it. I loved right. it. It was a beautiful Really nice, intimate show, and it was a great time. Gorgeous. His voice is amazing. I can't tell you how many people I have on my Facebook who went and saw his little tour. I mean, like, it's, yeah. I've seen Orville Pack for weeks now. Yeah. So good. It's great. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this song, Dark in Here, has a very, like, Americana, mm-hmm. rockabilly kind of feel to it. Rockabilly. That's a genre I could never remember. Rockabilly. Rockabilly. I knew there was a better word than Western. And uh, I just learned that phrase this year, and I'm so glad I did, because it, there's a whole bunch of music that falls into that category that, that I have we'll no say, idea how to... It would be on the much calmer side of Rockabilly. I see. Okay. Yeah. Rockabilly's got a little bit more of like a fast speed to it. Okay. For All the right. most part. All right. Depressed rock- Rockabilly. Uh, it's a sad Rockabilly. Depressed Rockabilly. <laughs> <laughs> If there were ever a better genre term for the mountain goats, <laughs> I've never heard it. <laughs> um, I do like this whole, um, I mean, he's hitting it. He's hitting you over the head with it. Um, but just the, the antithesis between dark and light. There's mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm. like, you know, lighting things on fire or lighting. It's um, high noon somewhere. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's dark in here. The 
cover. It's gone. It used to be on the television screen and now it's gone. Talk about the cover. Let's talk about the cover. The cover is uh, a portion of a, of a painting of, yes. uh, the painting is called something, but the, the central theme is I'm going to butcher this Walpurgis. 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 I'm going to say is how you say it, but maybe it's Walpurgis. Walpurgis night. That sounds about right. It's, yes. It gives me like how to pronounce, pronounce it, but it doesn't look like any, um, Okay. International phonetic alphabet that I've ever seen. I see some schwas in there. Well, um, at any rate, Norwegian is that what that painting is? I can't. Remember. Oh, is I have schwaz? no idea. It's what? Anselm Schultzberg is the artist. It was painted in 1896. I pulled those details. It's called Walpurgis Night in Bergslagen Grand Garden in Dalarna, wherever any of that is at. You're talking about the painting. Yes, that's the official name of it. Well, what? But, I don't know where it originated. I th- it might be Germanic, but I don't know uh, because there are many countries that actually celebrate this yes. Walpurgis night yes. on April 30th slash May 1st. Yes. And they have different variations on like uh, how they celebrate. But one of the things that they all have in common is that there's, there are bonfires. They're burning the oh evil spirits. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you burn bonfires to keep the witches away. The witches, it's yes. Specifically. The it's meaning a, of the it's, witches. It's a, it's, a, it's a region that doesn't exist anymore. Nice. That, Kingdom of the Franks. Mm-hmm. The okay, Frankish, yeah. Francia. Okay, okay, so is that yeah. like Middle Europe or something? Yeah, eighth, they would have been century pagans. Essentially, is what they God. were. What you would have been celebrating this too, which is interesting because in uh, I believe it was specifically Christianity, but technically there is also a Saint Walpurgis. Yes, who brought but Christianity to Saint the- Walpurga yes. was hailed by the Christians of Germany for battling pest, rabies, and whooping cough. Christina needed that as well as against witchcraft. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's interesting, right? That that yeah. would be her name. Okay. And also it's a witch fe- Like it's like a springtime Halloween though. It's a sort of the vibe I got. Uh, Schultzberg was Swedish. So I would assume that that title, the original title is something in Swedish. I would guess why that's, that's, that's me. <laughs> that's you. And you can't read it. God. I'm I'm not a great Swede. Have you ever been to a summer festival in Sweden or Midsummer is what I'm trying to reference. I wish I could. I wish I could. It's gonna be like that movie. I'd wear that flower dress. Yeah, I would love to wear the flower dress. I'd love the to be the May Queen. I'd watch a yes. man burn. Yes. <laughs> that man. Buy that you man piece of shit. That man deserved it. Yes, her he whole did. family died, and what did he have to offer her? Say Nothing. Well, a woman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, I'm reading. Oh, okay. First time research over here. Uh, okay, so let's get back to what we're talking about, the topic of conversation, dark in here. Yes. Um, I guess my question is, at like, what... At what point in the narrative are we? What's going on in the story and the concept of the album? Is there a story of the concept of the album? Since this is the t- titular track. I feel like it's, for me, I feel like it's really hard to say that there is a full, like, actual story. I think that there's an overall theme, which is okay. this descent into darkness and what it is to be in the depths of darkness and what it is to have your few small glimmers of light or whatever tools you're utilizing to keep you going forward is really what each of these are. They're small little glimpses into very different, like each one's sort of a different scenario. They're all people who are facing some type of darkness and moving through it somehow. I do notice that at the beginning of the, like the first 
half of this album seems to be like it has the the driving tunes, it has kind of the the spooky tunes, it has mm-hmm. the angsty tunes, and then it sort of gets a little it softer, it gets a little mellow. So like we're getting used to the darkness. You get used to you know, the it darkness. turns into like a a, a meditation almost. Well, and a lot I of, like that word. Another big central theme is like conflict. Um you know, and the underground is like, you know, the internal conflict, but in the songs a lot, it's expressed as like external conflict, you know, stacking your ammunition, preparing for the fight, things like that. But sometimes the fight's over and you've lost. And so you've got to see where you're at. And it follows, like, it's not all just one narrative. There's lots of little vignettes and different things, but it's, they're all in that same like feeling. Yeah. Okay. I like, that you mentioned that because I think that that's something that he is not afraid to write about is mm-hmm. what it is to be on the losing end. Like yeah. frequently what it is to be on the losing end and how you fucking keep going. Actually. A lot of his albums. Um, so he loves to examine uh, normal people in stressful situations. Yes. Um, so like he never talks about, celebrities or any of that kind of stuff. It's just normal ass people and them reacting to just the desolation of life sometimes. Well, and after definition of a folk. Yes. Yes. So he went through like a drug addiction and then he worked at a psychiatric psychiatric hospital. So he's been down there himself several times and he's helped other people when they've, you know, been around that sort of thing and with everyday people. Yeah. He had, um, he had drug problems. He had, uh, abusive father, uh, lots of stepfather. Was a stepfather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had well, a good relationship with his dad at the end. Um, they, uh, so he's like, he's been through a lot in his life. And I think that's why he kind of focuses on the common man. Um, because I think he also he, he considers himself that as well. Well, yeah, too, you know? he's done a lot of a lot of weird in between stuff too. Yeah. You know, like I remember reading him; he wrote like a little essay on like he spent a summer working at like a grain silo and like just how exhausting and hot and like wow. also how weirdly like it was like in I feel like Ohio or some sort of like one of these like sort of midwestern states. You know, like just him plunked down there doing that. I'm going to rabbit hole. I Did you lose your train of thought? Or were you maybe, <laughs> or maybe I finished it. I don't yeah. know. I think we were just talking about how common of a person he is. And I'm like, yeah, yeah he's done a lot of common man shit. And yes. so he, he puts on his lizard suit. He, he, well, Agreed. he knows, he knows all hard of, to get noticed oh, in this town. He knows oh, what oh, it is. I see. Oh, I see, Katie. I he see what you're He knows how to write doing. about those things. I see a transition. I see a transition. But wait, <laughs> I didn't want to. Oh, sorry. Because I wanted to say, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that was the applause. Damn it. <laughs> Dark in here, I like because I feel like it is, it's the time where like, yes, we're seeing a lot of these really beautiful, God, it's so gorgeous musically mm-hmm. up to this point. But I feel like this is a chance where we really get to see a lot of these um, the artists that he picked, the musicians that he picked to work with, and they really get the chance to like start to sparkle in that song, mm. like the flute that we hear, yeah. like uh-huh. uh, it's really nice. And again, I I was saying like this is where he's able to like musically fill out the landscapes of the like narratives he's writing. But to put on your lizard suit, what does that mean? What does it mean to put on your lizard suit? Because oh. it's so hard to get noticed in this town. 
You ever put on your lizard suit before? I do it all the time. <laughs> right? So uh, as someone who deals with like anxiety, um, I really like lizard suit until the end. Um, I absolutely like this is the one I have a note about do, the blah, blah, end blah, 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 too. Blah, blah. It's crazy. Um, yeah. because a lot of times whenever I'm going out somewhere, I try to blend in and then I'm like, how come no one's talking to me? Like, how come I haven't met anyone else at this shindig? Because like She's blended in, I'm trying too hard to blend in because I like that protection that that suit gives you. But the lizard suit could also be like a ridiculous thing that you put on to get attention, but no one's paying attention to you anyway. I think the lines that hit the hardest for me in this, and especially after uh, COVID happened, was the uh, let my phobias control my habits, mm-hmm. let my habits form the shapes of my days. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And this was written before. Yes. <laughs> and, and like recorded right before like everything shut down. Right. Now we're so much more scarred. <laughs> Everybody. So. Oh, what? Okay, so I was listening to this album, and then I just let it go to, you know, things related. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a song popped up by him, them, and I don't know when it was them, him. Um, And it was this this year, this last year. And I was like... Uh, when the hell was this written? Because this needed to come out yesterday. That, Wait, song that was the name of the song. Yesterday. It's called This Year by the Mountain Goats. It was the first Mountain oh, Goats song yeah. that I knew before I was a huge Mountain Goats fan. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to survive and this year even if it kills me. I am going to make it through this year yeah. if it kills me. <laughs> Every yeah. year at New Year's, I play that song because, it's, like, yeah. I'm going to do it. That's one of the signature Mountain Goats songs. It's great, but year. I was just like, wow, this should have, this could, this aged and very that well. that song deals a lot with, like, his alcohol, like, that's a autobiographical song for the most part. Wow. That's part of that, like, he went through a period of time where none of it was autobiographical, and then most of it was, and then now it's back to being, like, more fanciful mixed in with autobiographical. And I think yeah, you kind of, I think you kind of hit on the strength of the Mountain Goats, is yes. that he does not adhere to any you know, popular trend in music. So his music, it's going to stand the test of time because it's entirely based on the, the strength of his songwriting versus. That's kind I didn't feel like I could put this in any time frame when I was Mm -hmm. listening to the album. That's why I was surprised it was made so early because I felt like something that was made 15 years ago, but also I wasn't that surprised it was made this year. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it could go anywhere as different as some of the stuff that he's been doing with his band is compared to the earlier stuff at its core. It is still the same songwriting he's been doing this whole time. So like, it's just kind of the inspiration is moving. Like it's coming either from himself or from other things. I think it's that he's allowing other voices to add to his, because he was by himself for so long. And I mean, I can, I have not played, nearly as long as he has by himself but like it sucks being by yourself all the time like you're you're relying Tell on me your, about it you're you're relying on your own energy you're relying on your own strengths and like you don't know what your weaknesses are a lot of the time as a songwriter so like when other people are joining in and they add their voices mm-hmm. it's like yes they're adding their voices to yours and it changes what your original intent was but it's also like now you're creating something entirely different. Yeah. And one thing that I think um, is interesting in this case is a lot of the people that are on, that worked on this album and worked on getting into knives worked on like in league with dragons. Yeah. There are people that, at, um, I read something that talked about how he wasn't really a big fan of collaboration. Like, right. yeah, he has his four feet ensemble now, but like bringing in others for collaboration, that wasn't really his thing. And you can kind of see that on, 
Goffs, which I think is the album that came right before In League with Dragons, but I might have forgotten one. No, not quite. Okay. Um, I don't think so. There's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's um, but at well, least like, 20. Bringing back a lot of these same people because he likes what they add to the music. He's right. not just going around and like finding a new editor and mixer for like, every, he's working with people that he's formed relationships with right. that can still, like he still has a lot of control over the process to help bring everything together. I think he probably just supplied them with the foundation with his like guitar parts. Mm-hmm. And then they added all of the, the colors on top of it. So yeah, he still has a decent amount of control. Yeah. Um, I said this before because we were listening to it, but um, I just really appreciate in this song that the entire chorus is where my Liz's suit to the party. It's so hard to get noticed in this town. Mm-hmm. You know what? You were right. It was Goss and then in league with dragons yeah. for some reason, I lost a whole fucking like chunk of a few years there. I was like, no, but those were just the dark years for me. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> So uh, those were my dark years. That's when I was dark in here for me. Well, and I was going to say with your comment about the chorus, a lot of the songs on this album, the chorus is kind of like not really a chorus. I a would throwaway. say, I, I don't know if I would call it a throwaway. It's, it's just like this kind of a thing with folk songwriting. Like, like if you, if you listen to a lot of Bob Dylan, you realize that he does have choruses, but the choruses are really like, just the the climax of the chord progression mm. it's not a separate section of mm. the song it's mm-hmm. like the verse and the chorus is all one chunk and you just there's like a repeating thing that keeps being said at the end of every stanza you know I see. um and that's hugely folk songwriting like that's as far back as like actual folk music like they they did the same thing back in the you know 1890s and you know it's a perfect example of that at 17 by Janice Ian. I don't know that song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that sounds What the like. fuck? <laughs> it's recorded. It's recorded. So. What the fuck was that? Yeah. I loved that. Man, I, I never thought I'd catch a demonic possession <laughs> in, <laughs> did it. in an audio did it. recording. Eat your heart out, Zach Bagans. <laughs> then you should listen to that song. Oh, hold on. At 17. By Janice Ian. Are you just trying to cut all of the copyright? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard, I know this mm-hmm. song. Oh, no, I do know this one. Yeah. That's a perfect example of that songwriting yeah. style, though. Yeah. But it, kind of, it, it, it works, or at least these, these singer-songwriters are able to, like, capitalize on that, I suppose. Um, like, this, like, the chorus is musically the, uh, like, natural progression of the chords. It very much feels yes. more like poetry yes. than traditional songwriting. Yes. Like it feels like you took this straight out of a stanza and threw it music yes. underneath it. But, and, and like these choruses just kind of emphasize what it, what it's what brings together all of these verses. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, it's just like, every, yeah, all of these, every these verse, things have this in common. Every verse can explore all this wide territory, but you bring it back to the same focal point every time. Yeah. I, I, I love that writing style personally. Cause it, too. it takes a lot of skill and like, I, I don't think he does it every time on this album that he does that, like does it successfully, but the times that he does do it, it's very well orchestrated. It's, it's well put together. So, yeah. yeah. And this song ends with like some free form 
<laughs> jazz going on that is funky. And if you like that sort of thing, it's absolutely wonderful. Oh man. I wanted to talk about it because there's an album that I wound up listening to and it was through like a Twitter made recommendation by him. So he's, you can follow him on Twitter. I recommend it. It's a good way to like, as I mentioned, he is a self-professed Jesus freak and he goes into some nice, like ideological, like writings and Twitter is a great place to access a lot of those. Uh, but he, heavily recommended an album and it's called glitter wolf and it's by Allison. Oh my God. What is it? Allison Miller and the boom tick boom. If I'm remembering correctly and let me just double check that. But, uh, Allison Miller and the boom tick. Boom. Yeah. Um, they're like a, they're like a jazz. Yeah. Allison, Mil- Allison Miller's boom tick boom. Um, and the album itself was called glitter wolf. Um, and it is a fantastic jazz album that I feel like you heavily can feel a lot of the, a lot of the influence in the ending, the little outro for this song. Yes. But also I think in some of the other little bits and pieces, like flares that you find throughout the rest of the album. Um, and I was really fascinated to see how that, like, because I remember listening to that and he was like, this is an amazing, and he had several other like jazz albums that he heavily recommended, but this was the one that I like, remember I kept coming back to because it is a phenomenal one and I probably would have recommended it for the podcast, but I had no idea quite how to talk about a jazz album, (laughs) you know, like to move away from like lyrics and like to discuss it seems difficult. No, I haven't figured out how to get there yet, but it is absolutely one that I would have considered presenting to you. You get stuck in music terminology. Yeah. It's a lot harder to discuss and I just don't have as deep of a no, like knowledge of any of it. Honestly, I don't, this is going to sound like such a fucking pretentious thing to say, but I don't know, honestly, that any of you really do have. Oh, I don't have that depth. I'll admit it. I mean, I feel like it would take years of education in order yes. to like talk casually about. I mean, like you can talk about, yes. you can talk about like what it makes you feel, but like you're take not technical into it. No, yes. no, no, no. Yeah. But it is a fantastic album. You should listen to it. I feel like you could definitely feel I got, I got the vibe that there was some influence pulled there. Like there was definitely a strong inspiration. Well, I don't want to, I, I want to move on to the next song, but I will say that this part of this song reminded me of a callback to one of our earlier albums that we listened to in uh, the chaotic like bridge section in Saintly Rose in Deer in the Headlights. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, with like the like clanging piano yes. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And when it finally comes back into the, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, that whole thing. Yeah. That's what this reminded me of deeply. I like the fact that you brought up, um, um, deer in the headlights, not you, um, <laughs> you, <laughs> so sorry. So sorry. Wow. Um, wow. You brought up, uh, your anxiety because it feels like that, um, you know, that speaks a lot to the lizard suit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that whole just in portion is just kind of that, personified in music. Well, like in my brain headcanon, that's like whenever this person is like falling apart into the panic attack, but at the very end of the song, they all come together again and it pulls back together in like the last couple of seconds. Yes. And that's what saves me from skipping the ending. I said that this bleeds into the opening four and mm-hmm. then I trail off because then it moves right into when a powerful animal comes. It really does. It's your first like it's signal really of like, hope that yeah, things are going to be okay at the very end. Yeah, it's crazy, and then it just end. suddenly it glides you into it, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh. And this song, um, if when a powerful animal comes, 
this is the first song that just it's beautiful. The woodwinds are like butter, and this it's has just all, it's. Is it flutes or is it? There's sax. I think it's sax. Too. This one's yeah. sax, he, and then the next he one. does have a yeah. Like it's as a saxophone player myself, like in high school, not wonderful, but uh, I love it. It's the way it follows the voices. It just it's so gorgeous. The voices, the backing vocals in particular, was something that was interesting to me mm-hmm. because he is so often the solitary singer on most of their songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Sometimes, yeah, there are backing vocals like in Goths, we got a little bit mm-hmm. of that here and there and it's gorgeously done. But usually it's very much him with his very distinct voice like yeah. singing by himself. And a lot of times it's almost a talk singing. It is. Like yeah. there's not a lot of melody in the lyrics. Yes. He this song is probably one of my favorites lyrically. It's a good one. You know, I feel like I had something to say about this song too, but maybe it is well, that it's my favorite. My favorite set in this. I mean, I like the whole song, but we get so exhausted, lost kids, just wasted, sleep in short shifts and then rise up to our feet. Life is short and life is hard and life is sweet. Mm-hmm. So both this and lizard suit, I my note was that it lyrically sounds like it, could have come off of Transcendental Youth, which is the first Mountain Goats album that yeah. I actually listened to. But it kind of tells a similar story, which is that sort of there is this like great degree of isolation and there's almost like there is a a nod almost towards Transcendental Youth is largely like when he was writing about being in, like a psychiatric nurse on a psychiatric hospital mm. and what it was like to encounter those people and also the kind of lives that they live either inside the hospital and outside of the hospital. And these both sound like people who some of the narratives that you encounter there too, like what it is to like feel so out of place that you put on your lizard suit to go out in public and what it is suddenly to also be these very like kind of scattered, hungry very harsh, lean, uncertain times, people like navigating through life, you know, and what it is to like, yeah. Yeah. I scramble think, together. However you can. I think this song though, I think the main message of it, and I'm talking about when a powerful animal comes. Mm-hmm, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the main message is a little different, but I think it's also, um, kind of about just accepting the things that you've done wrong in your life and like being okay with it, like forgiving yourself for doing these things and like moving on from it. Um, I don't think that's directly what the song is about, but I think it kind of, you know, like we shed dead weight and the whole, like uh, we we've made mistakes. Everyone spots their own mess when the dawn breaks, like those lines really like, I don't know. They're kind of telling you just like, you got to be okay with it because you, you only live once, you know, so you have to like forgive yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I love the comment on this, uh, on genius. I'm on, um, when a powerful <laughs> animal werewolves, comes. baby, werewolves, baby. <laughs> love that. Oh, that's fun. I like that as a sentiment. Werewolves, werewolves. baby. Cause it's hard to tell what it's about. Like, what is it? Are they stalking a great beast? Are they sieging a city? Like, those are mm-hmm. the questions I have. And then what happens when they, you know, like clearly at the end of it, they encounter. Behold, the beast awakes. They're like, oh, See, dang. This is Wind why. Dawn breaks too. They've been moving through the night, the darkness again. And now when dawn breaks is when you encounter the monster. But they're still <sighs> in the darkness because they're standing in a shadow. You're right. 
Yeah, this is this the song. Mm-hmm. That's why I said I was hesitant to say like what I was saying is what the song's oh, about yeah. because there's something else going on with the song and I just don't know what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, so we kind of covered both when a powerful animal comes and lizard suit as one piece. Yes, they kind of bleed together. They That's do. Why. Um, one so is kind of the answer to the perhaps other. to, to the, the headless horseman. We go to the headless horseman. I was really intrigued by this song because yes, the headless horseman is referencing sleepy hollow. Of course. But like, I didn't really understand who it is that he's talking about in this. Like I, it feels like it's not a person. It's like a fate perhaps Mm. or something. Cause he lost his head. That was a whole point of him going back. It was like a whole thing. Like, remember, there's a whole story no. about him coming back and he was coming back for reasons. Like, he didn't just come back. Like, someone took his soul, essentially, and he had to come back and claim it before he could rest. Yes, but I don't <laughs> I don't know how that ties into this I don't know song. either, and I couldn't figure it out. So. Yeah, that's the issue that I'm having. Like, I don't really know. I tried to find an explanation on it, and... Because like every stanza ends with I rode past you on the road again today and I don't know who it is, this you. His head. (laughs) God damn it. Well, Well, I don't know. I I just, I couldn't quite pin down what this one was about. This one, yeah, it's a little hard. Also, I feel like this is one that I got a little lost on. Yeah. It did happen on a couple of these songs in this album, which is, again, a thing I think is worth noting. So this song, if you're looking for like the story of it, the way that I've kind of interpreted it is that he's kind of talking to the headless horseman, especially with the line of like, I rode past you on the road again today. Like he's going past that, but he's seen it enough. Like he's not really scared of it. And that line, like a stranger's just a friend who hasn't shared their secrets yet. Love that line. Like, yeah, yeah, the headless horseman's like uncomfortable. You don't really want to ride, but you know. I was know. I was kind of confused by a comment on this on on Genius where it said um the, in the final verse he says uh, shun the hollow places where my marksman lurks and then the person that commented says in this line the horseman is referred to as marksman implying an intent to kill or even hunt down and I was like oh I did not understand what this person was trying to say about that line in particular. Shun the hollow places. Where one of us will lives. tire and one of us will rise and ride away. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you got to get ready for the waterworks. Like right now, like it's not the conflict, but it's coming well, but with sh- whoever shun, they are. Shun the hollow places where my marksman lurks. Like well, I don't, I have no idea what that means. Stay away from where I hid my dude with the gun so they don't shoot you. Eventually you'll die, but not this time. Mm. If we're like looking for a story. No, no, they, no. They've stopped I doing it. the have you, they haven't done any, uh, I only listen to the mountain goat episodes on any of these songs yet. Uh, um, they put uh, it on pause during the pandemic. So it's like, you can sometimes find like little snippets. If you like search through Twitter and things like that, about like deeper meanings of the songs, but it's not easy to find. I mean, I will be honest. I usually try to avoid that stuff because mm-hmm. I feel like when you read someone else's, it taints what you got. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. And like, I feel like you should figure out what it means to you first and then see what other people have to say about mm-hmm. it. You know? love, but like okay. a lot of these songs okay. are ones that I'd really like to hear uh, John Darnielle's take on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shed some light. Yeah. 
you know, I I'm glad that again you brought up uh, the the line um, a stranger's just a friend who hasn't said sure, their secrets, their secrets yeah. yet. Um, implying that like we view the headless horseman as this uh, this scary entity but really you have nothing to be scared of because you know if the lore is correct that he is back here to claim his soul you don't have a soul so it, that's that's not something you should fear yeah right you, you have nothing to fear him. because you had you didn't do any wrong to him you to the headless horseman and maybe that's what that line is shun the shun the hollow places where my marksman lurks like don't go to those places i'm helping you out friend because mm-hmm. somebody has already done you wrong i don't want anything bad more to happen to you or something yeah so there's sort of this befriending, I feel like we're working through the meaning of this song, this befriending of like a degree of like horror and fear that you might face. Yeah. yeah. And how you can like kind of bypass that. No, that's that's a new siren too. I think that's a fire truck. Mm. What kind of motherfucking fire truck would I? Honking their like horn it. through intersections and stuff. <laughs> oh, probably trying to get down south. Uh-huh. Yeah. Shall we move on to the next one? Oh, I do suppose it. so. Let's do it. This one's kind of funky. The new Hydra collection. <laughs> I love this mm-hmm. one. Brought to you by JCPenney. <laughs> this one is... I find this one Get out. kind <laughs> of... Like, I was listening to it on the way here because especially the songs, like, later on in the album, that's the point where, like, I'll start out trying to focus on the album and then my attention drifts. So, like, the ones are the... And I, you know, I like, I listen to their good background noise, but I haven't really delve deep in as much but this one this one stands out it stands out because it's accusatory yes it, it is terrifying yeah it is this song is very uh i apologize fucking better i'm <laughs> like it sounds like a like a like it's some sort of like mid-90s pop song um yes but about like the apocalypse a little bit yeah like it's it, like it has like vague references. It feels like the devil's coming back. They're pulling something like, out. It feels like it feels like some like yes. very creepy ass Christian rock song that you don't know is a Christian rock song until the fourteenth time you've listened to it, and then you yes. go, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> like the the very first verse of this is like you know down in the lab with the hopeful few hell bent on doing the work that you cowards won't do. Like mm-hmm. you. Cowards, you won't do it, but we will. Um, we're down here in the dark on purpose. Calling yeah. back to the the borehole thing, like the, those guys digging, yes. digging down Someday, as deep as they all can. All of the people will know the safe way isn't the only way to go. I love it. Not, yeah, not only boring down as quick as you can, but not paying attention to anything else while you're doing it. You Tunnel are hell vision. bent and focused. Yeah. I love that aspect of this song. I like the lyrics of this song. This is one of my like. If I had to choose a favorite like tonight, this one would probably be the one that I choose. See, one of the things I love about John Darnielle in you his will writing have to pick a favorite <laughs> is a lot of times there is this like seething anger that mm-hmm. backs so much of it. And it's the thing I think that has drawn me most to the mountain goats. It's what really sucked me in because sometimes I'm an angry person on the inside. Yeah. I'm a really, really angry person. And a lot of this stuff resonates with me in that like angry way. Like I understand what it is to feel really consumed it's and a so little bit bitter. And like, this is a really great nod to that. Like this song in particular that like, you know what? I am so focused on me and you cowards, like you do what you need to do. But I am so glad that you said that because need that satisfaction, that anger is also what drove, drove me to the mountain, the mountain goats. goats. 
Um, before I continue, Jeannie, can you get Stop. that cable off of the couch? Because uh, in some way that it's not dragging every time you move, because it's picking up all of it. It's just like shh. So there's my first weird. I'm going to try. <laughs> On your leg is probably fine. I think it's just the the, the fabric. fabric. But anyway, um, that anger is what drove me into um, Mountain Goats, and I feel like. This album does not all give you the scope that the early work does. Oh, yeah. There's not really much anger. This album is so hopeful. Yes. Like, people say that this is, like, a dark album. This album is so freaking hopeful. Mm -hmm. The early Mountain Goat stuff, even though it's not, like, super political, he just gets... He just goes off on all sorts of different stuff. And it's so cool. It's so, like, punk the way that he just like calls out bullshit in the mm-hmm, early mm-hmm. days. I just love it. Well, and a lot of, a lot of things like there's a lot to be angry about, but they're more angry. I like the amorphous circumstance or things. This right. one is specifically calling out you, right? You cowards who won't do that work. Like, and I think in the past year and stuff, a lot of us have gone through times where we've gotten to kind of cut out those parts of our lives that weren't happy, weren't doing that work so that we could focus on the work that we need to do that they're too afraid to face. Truly. Like I I love that it's oh. it's so accusatory. I love that, but I also love that it ends with whatever they're summoning mm-hmm. makes landfall. Yeah. That's very ominous. Mm-hmm. Like fish are leaping in the air. It's not just a threat, but it is a, it's a it test is a promise run. fulfilled. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is a test run. So we are we are honing our data and we are going to be successful. Are we are we satisfied on this one? I'm satisfied. I really want to talk about the next song. You Go for it. Talk about the slow parts on the death metal albums. Yes, because maybe I'm the only person in this room that really like gets what he's talking about. No. You know the reference. I Am I? Should, no? Okay. I think, oh, I think you should be the one to lead on that because yeah, I don't listen lead. to enough death metal. Well, but this is the second, <laughs> the second single and there's a reason that they chose this as their well, second single. I... So the slow parts on death metal albums are always like these gorgeous, like either acoustic or just like really like echoey guitar parts. It's like, it's always something like unearthly beautiful. And then the next song is like, (laughs) like it's, it's every, so many fucking metal albums. They have those soft parts. And like for people that don't listen to metal, they get that, they hear that and they're like, Oh, thank God. (laughs) Uh, and it's a, so funny. A, a release. It's so relief. funny to me as a former metalhead because when I started switching over to playing folk music, this is exactly what I did. I listened to the slow parts <laughs> of metal albums <laughs> and drew inspiration from them. Nice. So this, I just that line, just the lines about him listening to slow parts. Mm-hmm. It hits me. It hits me good. <laughs> I think he's liked. You know he's he enjoys death metal, but he's he's always the weird he one that like the metal. soft parts better. Yeah, like you know the second verse is all like you know trying to find the mass that fits me, uh, denim and leather, silver strap to please the diehards. Yep. Let me dance till I die. Turn the volume up high and listen to the slow parts. And like there's a whole song called like dance music where he talks about where he crank up his radio so he wouldn't have to hear his abusive stepfather yelling. Like dancing and that bright happy music is so important. 
But you got to fucking listen to the slow parts. You can't live your entire life. Cause that's speeding. just as important. Both yeah. releases are important. It's, yeah. it's important to, to, to fucking flail about and get out your anger and in, in a, in a healthy way that doesn't hurt mm-hmm. other people. Well, but I, also it's good to meditate and just listen to this. I part. think it's important too, that he's specifically referring to death metal albums because we're talking about a man, like we were just saying, he's full of anger and like, I feel like as he gets older, he's finally accepting. Mellowing. Yeah. Like he doesn't have to be angry all the damn time, <laughs> you know? He doesn't. Yeah. 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 He's let go of some of that. It's not there so much. Right. I made a note that this sounds like it was meant to be on goths. Yeah, I I could definitely see that, especially if you listen to like the four ambient bonus tracks at the end of goths, Mm -hmm. which are interesting. Um, They're beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. Are you saying goths? Yeah, goths. G-O-T-H-S. I was also hearing gauze. I realized I was pronouncing it probably as lazily as I could have, and I realized it sounded like gauze. No, goths. Goths, okay. It came out in spring of 2017. Okay. That one's a really good album too. Yeah, that's actually a really good. It's, it's my favorite Mountain Goats album. It's probably one like I, I recommend most, listening. Yeah, okay. recommend to people just because it's a fun one to listen to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it doesn't quite get you into the other stuff. It's, it's not quite League of Dragons. A little harder to sift through sometimes. The yeah. um, you were talking about shortly the the background vocals mm-hmm. on this album. Mm-hmm. Yes. One of my favorite parts in the song is that whole ships from ancient realms, captains at their helms section where like the background vocals kind of do the line first and then he like kind of speeds up to catch up with them at the end of it. I love that. So cool. So it's it's a great like rhythmic effect and it's also just like, like a lot of folk singers, I feel like the people that are singing with him might actually be better vocalists than him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Largely probably. Giving them a chance to Undoubtedly almost, right. I would say. Yes. So um, I always, I just love hearing that. There's several times on um, Bob Dylan's album, uh, Street Magic, or no, Street Legal. Street Legal. Street Legal is about like black magic and a bunch of other stuff, but he has uh, a group of backup girls singing with him on a lot of the songs and they just, it's so soulful for Bob Dylan. It's kind of unnerving, (laughs) but it's great. Love it. This is just so apocalyptic (laughs) before I got there. Uh, Yeah. The whole album. album, I think the whole album. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really seem, we'll talk about it more when we get to the last song, but for all of this stuff about like digging into yourself and like, you know, figuring out your personal problems. I didn't feel like the cathartic release was really like there on this album. Well, <laughs> not quite. And you start seeing it in the later half of the album. They start talking about how, you know, more about like flowers growing in spring and things like that. Like right. it's not going to be a fast cathartic release. Yeah, this is true. It's also not his job for you to feel the release. He may be laying the groundwork for you to do the work. This is, um, he's not going to do it for you. We've talked a lot about on this show, um, the difference between people who are like writing song as they're going through something and writing songs on the other side of something. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's definitely gotten through it, but I feel like he went into the perspective. I think he's, I think he's spanned all of those. Yes. Yeah. And this is, yeah, this is more of a, this is beyond having gone through it though. This is starting to analyze yes. almost yeah. mm-hmm. the process of going through it. 
And like this song, you never figure getting out through it. what the catastrophe was. Like, you know that there's like the burning branches and yeah. things like that. Oh, like yeah. it's this all is before like a, you got this there. This is a horrific wreck that you stumbled oh, upon yeah. like, moments after it happened. You don't know what happened. You don't know how it happened, but. I mean, it does mention fallout. So some people are like, oh, it's definitely about nuclear things. But like fallout's not necessarily just used for. Yeah, no, I disagree. Yeah, I don't yeah. feel like that necessarily. But it's like we love to use the concept of fallout. But like, how could you walk upon a scene yeah. that just ended after a nuclear fallout? I yeah. don't believe that. No, I, think, I not okay. possible. I think this is largely more about um, regret. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and that he has made these realizations about himself. But I feel like he kind of wishes that he had learned these lessons sooner so that he could tell other people that have gone that are going through the same thing. Oh yeah. What like, he's learned from it. It absolutely says like victims of the fallout. I have failed you sweet young men. Like yeah. he wasn't able to save them. Like it talks about how there's like tracks up to the lip of this crater where the bodies of the dead are. Yeah. Like they were scrambling to get out trying to survive, but they're dead and there's literally nothing he can do because it all happened before he got there. Fucking bleak. It's it's fucking dark. Hopeless. But but uh, like I said, this album is a hopeful album. I don't think it's hopeless. Like, yeah, this bad shit happened before he got there, but he's there now. Like, well, he John Darnielle does not deal in absolutes. Mm-hmm. He operates in in all the different shades of gray, and like. That's why there is never really like a full resolution on any of his albums, because like, I think he understands that these lessons that he's learned are all tempered with experience. So like, can't just be like happy that you like got through it because yeah, you got through it, but you, you learned things from it. Like how mm -hmm. did you get through it? Right. So what in you kept you alive? (sighs) It's very Shakespearean in that way. Kind of, uh, putting comedy in the tragedy and vice versa, mm-hmm. like having yes. a bit of both you, it's, it's never one or the other. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, he, he definitely mixes humor and desolation into everything that he does now for the, Ooh, my favorite title <laughs> arguing with the ghost of Peter Lofner about his Coney Island baby review. I have a question. Did anybody oh. pull up the Peter Laughlin Coney Island baby review? No. no. Did. How did you feel about it, Melissa? Well, I'm pulling it up again. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to make a note because I did read it and, uh, it's something. It's, he, it's he almost entertaining. Something. Did you read a lot about him? Wait, Peter, Peter Laughner? Yeah. I read the brief overview of him. Okay. He was quite a character. Yeah. So this didn't, I actually read about him before I read the review. Okay. Okay. I wanted to know who the hell he was before I got into yes. the review. Um, it's hysterical. It's a funny review. The review is too good. It's bonkers. Much. It's like, way over the top. All right, let's see. Uh, this album Wait. made me so morose and depressed when I got the advanced copy that I stayed drunk for three days. I didn't go to work. I had a horrible physical fight with my wife over a stupid bottle of 10 milligram Valium. <laughs> she threw an ashtray, a brick, and a five foot candelabra at me, but I got her down and sat on her chest and beat her head on the wooden floor. That's the first paragraph Fucked up, of right? the fucking review. Bonkers. It only continues from there. the first paragraph of the review. Only continues from there. It's a review on 
Oh, Lou Reed an album. That's what he. <laughs> he okay. He goes on to explain that he has actually been a long-term, die-hard, committed Lou Reed fan committed. for a very long time, and this album is just disappointing to him. Is really what he gets down to. But that's the like that's the gist of it. For a very long time, he talks about like just yeah the whole shebang. Oh like God. he just wails on it. He but wrote in for a, a couple of really over the top way. Like it's yeah. almost funny. I said it's entertaining. It's definitely something. Like no wonder he wrote reviews. I it's, can't. I came on to my sister in law. Come on over and give me head while I'm passed out. Yes. Oh my God. This is so <laughs> awful. It's it, he bashes. He bashes that album. And the thing is, is like it's very, very entertaining. And also I think it is a good highlight of just how sometimes you do get those critics that like just really shit on stuff. Like they're just mean about it. It feels like um, he's not even just being mean. He's just like relishing in the shit. Like he he's is. Just like, he he is. He's the pioneer of this kind of genre of music or something. And was it Cincinnati? Cleveland? Maybe you're Cincinnati. right. One of those two seems right. Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's like like one or two recordings of him in particular. Like he didn't really record anything in a studio ever. Yeah. He was like but a he's considered noted, one of He like also died very rock young. And roll in Cincinnati or some shit like that. Peter Laughlin. Laughner, excuse me. Leave it to a critic to not actually do the work that he's critiquing. Anyway, well, moving on. Well, well, well he <laughs> was in a couple of bands. Like he was in he a couple was a, of bands that had albums out, but like him, sure, him, uh, another sure. There's not a lot about, and then he then he died early. Of, he died at 24. Yeah, hair like he yeah, was young, drug overdose. Yeah, well, that would explain that article review. <laughs> well, this song was also like written for, like inspired by uh, David Berman, who passed away. Hmm. And like um, John Darnielle knew him like personally. They, they knew each other. And so after he passed away, like this was the song that he was inspired to write because of that. And I'm like, I'm not sure how that ties in to the Coney Island baby review, but uh, maybe, maybe that was just something between them. Like they used to talk yeah, about it or yeah. it used to be an inside joke or something yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. Cause that's outrageous. It's very specific. Like if, again. It, if that came out today, we'd be, we'd be quoting that for the next three years. Mm. <laughs> I like stayed drunk on. For There's three so days. many good one-liners in there. There is. There'd be memes out the ass. Oh yeah. Hmm. Wow. Let's I've never listened to Coney Island, baby. Either. I wanted to make that as a note. I was like, man, I bet this Do probably what? means more. <laughs> I have a strong opinion on it now. I was completely I need confused. to go back and listen to it. I guess because when I heard like Peter Lofner's, uh, uh, uh Coney Island baby review, did you think it was a goofy musical review? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. That included singing and dancing babies. And exactly See, what you thought. Brandon, you dug not, right into my mind. It's not spelled the same way, is it? No, no, is, it isn't. No, okay, it isn't. I'm just right. fucking stupid. <laughs> I and I was like, well, that's strange, but all right. And uh, you should I, read the full review. I should now that I know that it's like a review of an album. I thought it was just like something to do with the actual like Coney Island babies, which were like these incubators that kept premature babies oh. alive before hospitals had incubators. Oh, mm -hmm. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there were there was like babies displayed at like Coney Island, showing off like the power of electricity and the incubator oh, and things like that. Thing. Oh, yeah, very very World's Fair. Mm -hmm. shit. Yes. Okay. 
Like when he first started, they weren't even incubators. They were just like hot water boilers underneath the little baby bed. Keep them toasty. Yeah, keep them warm and moist. Keep them oh, babies wow. warm. That's what they thought they needed. And it worked. Keep like those yeah. babies hundreds wet. of babies survived <laughs> to like no cost for themselves because they were like sideshow attractions on Coney Island. And they set up others like around the country. It's great. Bonkers. I just looked over at Melissa and made eye contact <laughs> after that comment. Keep those babies <laughs> wet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, anything else about that uh, look the right argument there. with the ghost of Peter Loffner about <laughs> his Coney Island baby review? No, I no. don't think so. Let's, let's bring this thing on home. Let's bring it home. Bring it home. Bring it on Let me bathe in demonic me. light. Sorry, we're fucking up our copyright rules here. I I didn't hear what you were saying. Do we do we have etiquette rules <laughs> on the show for nope. microphones? I don't know what the hell I just saying, actually. <laughs> I think it was Lou Rawls. Reads. No, 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 no. What I just sang. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Okay, so another thing that I really liked about this album is bits and pieces here and there. Uh, There are little references that almost tie into other Mountain Goats Mm -hmm. uh, lyrics. Um, And I... I like those. They're small. They're little snippets, but you catch them here and there. You're like, oh, that sounds that sounds like another Mountain Goats lyric. And he specifically talks about being in Manhattan, you know, like emerging in Manhattan um, in this song, which mm-hmm. uh, what is that? Lovecraft in Manhattan, I believe, yeah. or something like that is a popular Mountain Goat song. Um, so it's funny to see that was another reason why I chose this album. Cause I was like, there are those like nerdy little, and then I didn't even do a good job of researching them <laughs> and bringing them all up. And I'm very sorry. Whoops. Fumbled that ball. I got too enamored by the musical aspect and that's what I was here for. Just know casual mountain goats fans that there are mountain goats references in this, in this mountain, mountain goat, goat album. <laughs> see, I didn't know that till Jeannie told me <laughs> and I'm here as like a guest mountain goats fan. So like well, that's okay. good work. Thank you. Anyways. Yeah, I should have done a better job nerding out over that. I got distracted by the other stuff, but let me bathe in demonic light. I love that antithesis. Demonic light. I also love that. And other than like mobile, which is all about Jonah, this song has a lot of religious references. in yes. it. Like it talks about, you know, your preordained place and like, you know, fruit of the vine. The um, old yeah, fruits flesh of the spirit give way to the new. Like this is, this is a very spiritual song, and it's also very, not very, but relative to the rest of the album, it's very upbeat. Like, is this the one with the nice flute solo at the end, or have we passed that already? I think we passed that. Well, well, damn it. Okay, we'll know that there was a nice flute solo that I really, really liked. Go on. Well, and. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I had finished my thought. Sorry. Okay, good. Great. Sorry, kid. I just laughed because it was go on in dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I liked this one too. Um, I uh, mostly, I just like this. This was one of the more, uh, somewhat cryptic ones. I would say mm-hmm. some, yeah. I get somewhat. time traveler vibes from this. Cause he talks about being back in Manhattan and like, he's still like young and shit. Yeah. I, um, well, and they talk about like, like the mirror, he uh, steps through a mm-hmm. mirror mm-hmm. and of course genius. We really need to credit genius for so. <laughs> Thank you all the, the contributors to genius.com. But, uh, they talk about how there's a line uh, that Paul, the apostle says in Corinthians, it says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will mm. see face to face. Okay. One, he references this one, I think in other songs too. This is also the one that's referenced in, I talked about 
car seat headrest. Twin, is your twin yeah, yeah. Fantasy. Okay. Yeah. Then we will see each other face to face, which is the whole reason why the album is called Face to Face Mirror to Mirror. Mirror. Yes. yes. Anyways, okay. clearly this you gotta, is you maybe this is for a yeah. Apparently <laughs> this is Catholic the boys. verse right here. <laughs> Right here, this is it. This is the one for me to see and peer into. And yeah, apparently that's my favorite thing is to read up on that writing. Get you some ex-Catholic boys. I guess me. so. And this song actually debuted work. in October 2019. Yeah, like, yeah. This this song was the first one from like before the album was even like yeah. written and finished. Uh, do you know if it's the first one like out of everything of the two albums? I, I don't know. Okay. I I don't know for sure, but it's possible. Okay. I mean, I can say from my personal experience with songwriting stuff. Now, obviously, I haven't been doing things as long as he has, but I don't think there's any album that someone's written. Well, I shouldn't say any. Most albums are not entirely new material. Right. Like, mm-hmm. almost everything. Like, if you release a full-length album, which he has done consistently for his entire career, like, almost every single year, there's at least one full length album that comes out by him. Um, it's really hard to write entirely new material because especially if you're trying to tie like a theme together, like that takes time. Yeah. I mean, you're essentially writing a book of poetry if you do a full length album. So like, and especially as intricate as this one is. Yeah. Like, so yeah, I I wouldn't doubt that there's probably songs on this album that are even older than we think they are. You know, there could be stuff that's pre twenty nineteen even. That's know? why I make note on some of the songs, and I'm like, these sound like they're from other albums. Because right, yeah. I'm well, like, I kind of wonder if any of them are like hangovers that he's like had that he's. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like kind of put together into this one. I mean, one of my songs, Internal Combustion, I started writing that when I was sixteen. And I just now released it at 29 years mm-hmm. old. Stream hey, internal combustion. That's my favorite one. Which one is it? No, because actually, when I showed you that one, um, uh, went before the release, you were like, "Oh my god, Colton, it's so happy." Which one is it? That's funny that you say that. It's the the fourth track on oh, my okay. CD. Um, it's the, the title track as well. Yeah. But Stream internal combustion <laughs> on, yeah, Spotify, on Spotify, Apple yeah. Music, and anywhere Buy you can CD find music. Or buy the CD. Go to coltoncoxrockandsoul.com. That's right. Okay. Or coltoncoxrockandsoul on Facebook. You can get stickers. You can and, get and, stickers. And, yeah, and Instagram. Anyway. There might be enamels coming out. The holes. <laughs> the pole. <laughs> and if you can Don't catch give him away live, all of my secrets, <laughs> Brandon. That's just what I know. If you Podcast can catch him live, do it. It's worth it. Where are you playing next, Colton? Where are you playing next, Colton? I'm in Wichita next, this Friday. Wichita, this, wait, this, this Friday, Friday or in- like... Okay, so it will have passed by the time this was released. Yes. So I hope you went. Sorry if you didn't. (laughs) I'm not going to Wichita. I'm sorry. (laughs) Anyway, the Um, whole reason I brought myself up is just the example that, like, so much. You've been sitting on that for years. Yeah, you've been sitting on it for a long time. So I'm sure that he has probably moved past a lot of stuff, but, like, I'm sure there are things that he wrote earlier on. Mm hmm that he revamped to fit into this album. Or it might have even been stuff that he wrote early on and was not able to do because he didn't have the band. Yeah. Right. Like right. it wasn't I mean, the it right time. Stuff where he was like, I, I see this grand right. 
thing mm. in my head, but I can't put it together because it's just me. So I'll just put it on yeah. the back burner until I find the right people to do it with me. For sure. But no, I, I think my favorite thing about this song is that I'm excited for what comes next. Yeah. The way that this album, you know, works with getting into knives. And then because of the Corona pandemic, he recorded this album like a few weeks after he finished recording this at his own house on a boombox. It's called Songs for Pierre Chauvin. The mythology of that is great. And I think we're going to start seeing like a transition into some more of that sort of music, Ooh, which I'm really okay. excited now, about, but I don't really know. That album, isn't that the one that's like technically his like quarantine? Yeah. He did it in his opus, in his house on his, this, uh, his original right. boom box. Um, one of the songs he begins with like, yeah, I didn't tune for this. Uh, so I can't say that I'm on 440, but it's in G. So good luck. Yeah. Like, I, all hail the gap. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. The mysterious gap. I think the story that he's strung along from Knives to the stories of Pierre Chauvin to this one is like insanity. Because he does Pierre Chauvin during lockdown stuff. Mm-hmm. And then this is kind of almost like a... Well, this uh, coming out of quarantine because it's which is Pierre weird. Sherman was recorded after, after this, right? Yeah, exactly. crazy, isn't yeah, it? It is, yeah. Interesting. It's he's, weird. It's weird. He's just such a. It's fun. He's such a damn good storyteller, though. Mm-hmm. Like I, he can just weave these huge things that cross albums that are like, it's just ambitious. It's so ambitious. And the great thing is, if you don't love this album, that's fine. There's like 19 other albums you can check out. It's true. It's also not the one that I expect people to fall in love with yeah. right. with the Mountain Goats during. But that's not what I was quite trying to do. I kind of wanted to move away from sucking people into the Mountain Goats in that way. I think people can find their way into the Mountain Goats easily enough. Yeah. I just wanted to appreciate how beautiful this album is. because. Oh, yeah. When you think about where he has come from recording and like, I mean, that's how he started out is he would record on a boombox and then hand out the cassettes to people like just on the street. Be like, here's my music. Give this a listen. You know, you want to listen to my mixtape? It's crazy to move from that to this is it, you know, like this is the 20th album and it is lush. It is beautiful. It is gorgeous. Every element that is happening like musically and like the way it was mixed and produced, like, and the fact that it was taken to this studio where they like have recorded all of these other like well-known names and like, it's amazing to see where you started from. And like, this is like a pinnacle point, you know, like, the most recently put out album and also like an beautifully polished album. That's what I, I just, I wanted to stop and appreciate that. I really wanted to focus on that because well, it's, it's mm-hmm. gorgeous. This, the whole thing's gorgeous. This is the softest Got album that we've listened it. to as well. Is it not? Yeah. I, yeah. I, well, I think that maybe think tank, but even then there are some ones that went a lot harder Ooh, than yeah, this. I was, think tank has some like grooving stuff in it. Like this is very like contemplative. There's not yeah. a whole lot of songs you can dance to. No, it's not energetically. <laughs> yeah, you're not jamming. It it's a, a chill. It is an emotional slog. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is too, because there's a point where it starts to slow down, and it was a few songs back that like I think the new Hydra Collective is like mm-hmm. kind of the pickup point, and then you like really move through this like I, slow. 
I was honestly so. You use the word meditation, and I liked that that was the word that you used because I think that's a nice way to describe how the last couple of songs are utilized to kind of close out the album. I was honestly so bummed out that there were not more songs like the cola Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. because, like, that song. After the first song introduces this fantastic energy. Pepper you with mountain goat songs that (laughs) fall into that same vein, though, is what I'm gonna do. I just well, have you have you listened to Getting Into Knives? No, I should. I I wanted to today, but I just didn't have the time to do it. That's valid. But um, it's very needy. This album. I just really wanted because I thought he was going to dip more into that quasi indie rock indie rock mm-hmm, god mm-hmm. i cannot talk today the mountain goots are you drunk the mountain goots, the mountain goots indie rock <laughs> anyway um but instead it leaned more into jazz yeah and yeah. it was a weird turn getting into knives is even uh, jazzier is a surprise then i don't know wow. if i want to listen to it katie oh. to be honest that's val- well it's 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 that's valid <laughs> no i think you'd like it i i I have some issues. A lot of folk artists dip into jazz and mm-hmm. I feel like folk and jazz have almost absolutely nothing to so, do with each other. The way that it's jazzy is that it has a horn section instead of just woodwinds. Well, no, it's not like it's big it's, band. It's not even the, the woodwinds and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's the, like the chords, the piano is playing and like, it, it's a very heavy jazz influence on this album. Yeah. And I just don't think folk music and jazz, because the whole thing with folk music is that it's simple. It's simplistic. But he's not a folk artist. If you look at Wikipedia, there's like eight different genres under there. Okay. That was a thing too, because if you were to ask me what the mountain goats are, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Alternative. I wish I could tell you, but I don't know. I think if you asked him, he would say he's a a folk artist. I feel like folk is the one I'm most content with, but yeah. I. I say it because of his songwriting, because he uses mm-hmm. yeah. he uses standard folk songwriting structures and like everything that he's done his entire career. Like, I think like, just conversations tonight, like we uh, a few of us have referenced Bob Dylan, yes, like as as yeah. a comparison. To I mean, the he's, Goats, and he's on that level. Yeah, he really is. Like he's the, definitely the a folk artist, but. Not he does entirely. branch outside of it, yes. But I think at his core, he is a folk artist. And like the whole thing with folk music is that it is simplistic because it was played by people who were often not educated music- musicians. And jazz is like almost the exact opposite. Opposite. Of that. You're like a music scientist. True. You're a jazz musician. Well, because at one point in time, jazz was True. pop music, but then you that had such a good way of putting it. Well, jazz was pop music. <laughs> and then you had Miles Davis and Charlie Parker and all you these other be a people crazy and experimental. <laughs> they came along and they wanted to take jazz music, which was black music and elevate it to the same level as classical music. And that's when jazz became this mm. like incredibly convoluted thing that it is now. Hmm. And I don't know. I just I hate when folk and jazz collide because they just don't belong together. See, would you say? I, go ahead. I don't think at his core he would call himself a folk artist. I think he might call himself a worship artist, and not necessarily oh. songs for like worship in church, like okay. everyone singing along, oh, but like okay. that that personal worship that you. Yeah, I don't well, know. Now I'm curious. I can't, I can't I follow you down this path, Katie. I'm sorry. That's valid. <laughs> like, like going down a path, I can't. Because it's, it's hard to separate worship from like you know the super overproduced mega church worship music, and that's right. not what I'm well, talking about. It's the that 
spiritual, a spiritual artist. If yes. someone told me this was a Christian album, I would not be surprised. Yeah. After listening to it. See, like there's so much. I have always felt. Yes, but theme that it's like there's no goddamn way this guy is not. But that's the thing. Into Jesus. This underlying theme has almost always how his entire career has been like questioning the church and like it's okay yeah. to question and still participate. Yes, he's a very Jewish Christian, but that's that is why I have a hard time calling it a worship. Artists. Yeah, and I we're just talking. worships. Worships not the right word. Yeah, we're just talking theoretically here. So like, you, I respect your ideas. I'm just arguing with you. <laughs> yeah. But no, like, no, he doesn't. He's an absolute shit. <laughs> I see. I see where you're coming from. Honestly, we would have to ask him ourselves yeah. what he calls himself. Oh, I'm but, sure when the podcast comes back, he'll talk all about it. Yeah, Anybody yeah. tries to ask him, he's just going to go, I don't know, I just like to make music. And I'm like, well, yeah. shit, we had a whole goddamn I've never listened to an episode Christ. of the We're podcast. I, I refuse to get into email. things that far. It'll be him sitting down to respond to us. He'll be like, hello, friends. Please do, I'm John. I would love to hear from you, John. Please. Our email John. is uh, get the letter and the number two, the groove at gmail.com. <laughs> no, anyway, regardless of whatever kind of artist he considers himself, <laughs> You good? Yep, I ran to the microphone. I'm so sorry. That's fine. You're okay. Honestly, I didn't even hear it. So okay, that's nice. It, it probably still picked it up, but I didn't Slept hear it. it. <laughs> God. All right. So we're almost at two hours, so we need to wrap this. Wow. Up. We got a lot to talk about. A very uh, packed season finale. That's yeah. only five Excellent minutes. Excellent choice. Oh, wait, no, it's ten minutes per song. Um, well, if we just the first two we spent yeah, half time. an hour on. So that, uh, that's terrific, actually. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Katie, thank you for joining yes. us on yeah, this. Thank you guys for having me. Second collection season finale, whatever. Good Thanks Lord. for coming to back up the mountain goat. Yeah, yeah. twenty um, episodes. I will twenty episodes total. Damn. This Congrats. is number twenty right here. Congrats nice. to you. Congrats to you. Congrats to you. Congrats to me. Been Congrats to everybody. Um, uh, uh, an announcement. Uh, I suppose we're done with with talking about the album. An announcement. We have a website Ooh. as of the release of this recording. Well, I suppose it's live now, yeah. but it, it will be live in the future, it, it too. It will hopefully be. It will be live Fully functional. Yes, in the future. <laughs> um, it, is, it is, as you might have guessed... <laughs> Get, get the letter in the, the number, number two, two thegroove.com. <laughs> I love it. So we have easy. domain. It's there. All our faces are on there. If you poke around, all the episodes are on there. If you poke around, you'll find our email. Oh my gosh, it is. Get up there. Send us an email. Shout at <laughs> us for a bit. Um, we're experimenting with what we're going to do with it. So Yeah. There, there might be talks of some spinoffs. There might be talks of some giveaways if we become that kind of podcast. And I hope we do. Oh, and um, send us suggestions. Oh, I want suggestions. We I, I, love suggestions. I really like suggestions. Just because I like sitting down and listening to an album and experiencing it for the first time and doing yes. all the research. Yeah. Yes. yes. I love that. Truly. Yeah. Sometimes um, it's hard to talk about an album that you're super fond of that you have treasured for some yep. time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It's very, very hard. hard, especially when people shit all over it and make you feel terrible about it. Especially when they're bad <laughs> albums. Who did that? Who did that? Who did that? <laughs> Put on your glasses really so you can see Melissa. My opinion. So you can see the mirror. <laughs> 
and your reaction to that is not my responsibility. Oh my god! All right, wrap this episode. <laughs> We're wrapping it up. Um, thanks everybody for joining Spoken us. Just like a man. <laughs> Visit our website. Buy internal combustion. Um, we'll we'll be back. We don't know when, but we'll be back. We're figuring out. We're figuring shit out. You know, we have to April take some 1st, time. Like we do with the Shrek soundtrack. <laughs> we'll be coming back with the. Okay, I'm glad you brought this up because I want to go ahead and say that Shrek two lives up to Shrek, all right? Yes, as far does. as movie goes it and does. as far it as does. the soundtrack is concerned. I can't say the same for three, but two. No, two sure. is there for two reasons. Mm-hmm. One, Jennifer Saunders' version <laughs> of holding out for a hero is <laughs> iconic. Mm-hmm. And two, um, there there's an artist that was probably a one-hit wonder. I'm not sure if the, the Butterfly was their name and they did changes, right? David Bowie oh, came and right. did changes with her. She did one verse, he did the other verse and it was like, oh, it was a, it was a pretty phenomenal uh, cover for it being um, a song that's thrown into a fucking DreamWorks cartoon. <laughs> So I support you, Katie. Now let's not fuck with DreamWorks. Um, I just had I watched an entire documentary on David Geffen today, who is one of the founders of DreamWorks, along with David with Steven Spielberg and some other guy. Um, and they are legit. They're the first studio that was br- that was started basically in the last century. Mm-hmm. Melissa, what? They're the first studio that was started in the last century. Um, and they like came out of nowhere and just like owned the entire system immediately. They really did. Because DreamWorks has Chicken Little. Gladiator. No, no, chicken Run, excuse me. Chicken they put run. out Gladiator. It's a whole thing. All right. I love this conversation, but we are at almost two full hours of this. So we need to stop. We have <laughs> 155. 155. Oh. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll cut it. All right. Um, this has been Get Into the Groove. Bye. Bye. Terrific. Kansas City tonight, y'all. Well, you know, I was just thinking that that siren sounded different, and I was thinking to uh, the most recent John Oliver episode that I watched, and he was talking about uh, emergency (laughs) services like EMTs and ambulances and whatnot, and he was talking about a specific country has like a... um, Has their own sound. Has their own sound, and there's one... The one he brought up was like Finland the or something. Sound like <laughs> it sounded like <laughs> like it was the craziest. See, I my personal favorite ones are the like super old fashioned ones from like black and white movies. The like oh oh yeah. like it takes oh. a nuclear siren fall. Please stop! Uh, I don't like, like any of these. Siren. They're always scary. <laughs> uh,